Well, it is lovely to be with you again. Thank you for, well, it was David who invited me to take his place today because he is away. And it's only a month since Athel and I were with you for the celebrations of your 20th anniversary, which was a wonderful time, wasn't it? As we reflected on the past history of Northern and uh, also what's happening now and the hopes that you have for the future. Well, today is the third Sunday in the season that we call Advent. Advent is traditionally the time of waiting and preparing to celebrate the birth of Jesus, but it is also about waiting and preparing for the time when Jesus will come again. And in the sermon series that you have had, there has been a focus on prophecy and peace. Uh, today is about joy. Next week is focusing on love and then it will be Christmas. You know, the season of Advent is not celebrated in the world around us. Come December the 1st and sometimes prior to that, shops, supermarkets, all around us are focusing Christmas and that atmosphere of rush and busyness can engulf us all. Much of it is driven, of course, by commercial interests and advertising and marketing of food and gifts, decorations and uh, end-of-year events. We can get caught up in it too if we are not careful. If we don't have time to ensure that we have in our life some spiritual disciplines or, or rhythms that enable us to focus on those Advent themes of hope, peace, joy and love. We can miss what this season is about. Advent is a call to go deeper, to go deeper. Not just to stay on the surface which is bright and sparkly like tinsel. We are to pay attention to the signs of Christ's coming around us and coming to us, where he is present in situations, where he is present in the people around you and in your own life. And listen for that gentle whisper, I am Emmanuel, God with you always. Each year, ministers and churches go through a planning process about the Advent and Christmas season. What new things can be said about a story that is so familiar to all of us? We've heard it all of our lives or some of our life. Is the familiar story that we hear, sometimes only once a year, based on what the scriptures tell us about the birth of Jesus or is it based on what we see depicted on Christmas cards or maybe even in the beautiful carols that we sing? Does the Christmas card version of Christmas line up with what the Bible says about the birth of Jesus? And does it matter? To look at scripture with fresh eyes can give us some insights that we might not have thought about before. Some of the material I have used in preparing for today comes from this book. And uh, Steve, if you could put that first slide up. 
Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes, cultural studies in the Gospels by Kenneth Bailey. Kenneth Bailey spent many years living, teaching and ministering in the Middle East. And I'm indebted to Andrew Menzies, principal of Stirling Theological College, for sharing with me some of the insights that come from his reading of this book. What are the key images in your mind when you hear the story of the birth of Jesus? In your imagination, what do you see? Is it Mary and Joseph in a stable somewhere, like a barn or a shed attached to a farm with animals nearby? A manger, which is really a feeding trough for the animals? Is it wise men with gifts, shepherds, angels, sheep, cows, and a bright star overhead? We've got that there. And those well-known words that are in every nativity play, no room in the inn. Well, I'm going to help you with a different explanation that actually comes from someone who has studied this, scholars who have studied this, and relating it to the customs and the culture of the Middle East, which is where Jesus was born. So, Steve, if we could have that next slide. Now, I want you to picture this home. We're used to hearing scripture through our Western mindset and seeing it through our Western eyes. But we need to have an understanding of the cultural context of the biblical narrative. Simple village homes in Palestine would have only two rooms. One was exclusively for guests attached to the end of the house. You can see it on that side. So if you picture, that's the guest room there. I'm relating it in terms of where the manger is, all right? So picture the guest room there. That was the Middle Eastern way of hospitality and still is. Middle Eastern people are very hospitable. The main room in the centre was a room where the entire family cooked, ate, slept and lived. So if you could imagine the, uh, the main living area or family living room there, you've got your guest room, the big living room there. And at the end of the main room, if we could picture some steps going down in a sheltered area, was an area where each night the family cow and donkey and a few sheep would be brought in so that they would not be stolen during the night. Is this beginning to make some sense to you? Then in the morning, the animals would be taken out again. And the mangers were there as the feeding troughs for the animals. Such simple two-roomed village homes can be traced right back to King David and through to the middle of the 20th century. So something like 3,000 years, homes like this were very common, village homes. Kenneth Bailey writes that he has seen such houses in Galilee and in Bethlehem. And this style of traditional home fits naturally into the birth story of Jesus and I believe makes it much more real to us. Scholars resident in the Middle East 
have understood that Joseph and Mary were actually taken into a private home and at birth Jesus was placed in a manger. So how do we explain this line, there was no room in the inn? Now what do you picture when you hear the word inn? We're thinking of it with Western eyes, aren't we, or Western understanding. We think that inn refers to a hotel or a pub where you could get accommodation. And as sometimes appears in nativity plays, there's a no vacancy sign outside. But the Greek word, and uh, the New Testament was written in Greek, the Greek word in the Luke story is katalama. Katalama. That's the, the, the Greek word in that Luke story. There was no room in the katalama. Katalama means a place to stay. And in the, this diagram of the village home, the place to stay was the guest room. So if we think about it with fresh eyes, Joseph and Mary travelled from Nazareth to Bethlehem because there was a census going on. They had to be counted and families would go back to the place of the origin of their family. Joseph was in the line of King David's family, so he went to Bethlehem. So there would have been a lot of people needing accommodation. And they were received into a private home. They didn't knock on the door of a hotel because there weren't any. And there wasn't an innkeeper. Doesn't appear in the story. Jesus was born, wrapped and put to bed in the manger, filled with fresh straw towards the back of the house because this guest room was already filled with other guests. Can you understand now what's meant by there was no room in the guest room? But Middle Eastern hospitality would not have turned them away. You can come in. We do have a sheltered area where you can stay. No room, no space in the guest room because it was already full. Now, hearing this different understanding makes it uh, quite different, doesn't it, from the Christmas card version that you see. But think about it. I'll come back to talk about how this uh, can affect our understanding today. So we've got this theme of joy entering the story uh, with the shepherds. So Jesus has been born, the angel appears to the shepherds and they're terrified. Shepherds in first century Palestine were very poor and uneducated and despised as unclean. Looking after sheep was regarded as unclean work. They were close to the bottom of the social scale in society. But they were the first to hear the news of Jesus' birth. Our Western minds miss the significance of the sign. The angel said, this will be a sign to you. To the shepherds, this will be a sign to you, shepherds. You will find a baby lying in a manger wrapped in bands of cloth. 
Why is this sign so important for the shepherds? You know, if Jesus had been born in a wealthy mansion guest room or a governor's residence, the shepherds would not have been able to go. They would not have been accepted. They were used to being rejected by the wealthy people in society. When they heard that sign that the baby was in the manger, they knew this is part of a village home like ours. We will be accepted. That was really good news for the shepherds. It was good news of great joy. And it was good news of great joy for everyone. The shepherds heard it first. What we see in this story is the complete reversal of everything that the society regards as important. The good news of great joy is for everyone and that's how it is today. God has come into the world and no one is excluded from his love. The child was born for people like the shepherds, the poor, the lowly, those who feel rejected by others. And yet he also came for the rich and the wise because we hear that in Matthew's story of the wise men coming. We sing it in the, the Carol of the Three Kings, bringing their gold, frankincense and myrrh. No one was excluded. So what does this good news of great joy mean for everyone today? December is a time when many people struggle with the expectation that Christmas will be full of joy. The struggle is very real for many people. Maybe the death of someone close, illness, unemployment, violence and abuse, isolation and loneliness, poverty, detention centres, prisons... For a family experiencing grief, there will be that empty space at the Christmas table. Gifts bought but no longer able to be given. And carols being sun, sung when sadness is a reality for many. The reality for some people at this time of the year, with decorations around and happy Christmas being expressed to everybody, is that within their heart, they don't feel like celebrating. Now, when I look around, and I include myself here, we have all experienced challenges this year. Have we? Is there anyone who hasn't had a challenge to face this year? We all have challenges. Perhaps losing a loved one, illness, family struggles, life difficulties, maybe job tensions. Into your experience comes this gift of the Lord Jesus to be with you. He didn't wait for us to clean up our lives or to wait for the mess and chaos of the world to be sorted out. He came into it. No amount of human effort could ever accomplish that. Only the miracle of the power of God. Hear the words again. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
for everyone. Good news of great joy. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus has been born for you. We sang before, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. He loved us enough to be willing to come as a baby in this poor peasant family. Being born in those circumstances that are so different from how we understand. But the good news for us in our world is that Jesus was born in a specific place. Today, in the town of David, a saviour is born, which means that there is no place where Christ cannot come. There is no situation where Christ cannot enter. The two-roomed simple village home, depicted there, and which we have imagined before us here, that two-roomed simple village home grounds the story for us in the reality of human experience and human life. He wasn't born out there away from normal life. The problem with the Christmas card version of Jesus' birth is that it can be put away and forgotten after the 25th of December until next year. That is not the truth of the incarnation. He comes to be with us in our moments of vulnerability, when we feel that we don't have the strength to carry on. He is there with those who reach out with hope and compassion to asylum seekers and refugees. He is there with those who are struggling in places of violence and abuse. At the moment, we have the guest rooms in our home filled with one of our families whose house is being renovated and they hope to be in it before Christmas. But there's only 10 days to go and it doesn't look like it might be except that they are going to host Christmas. So we're not quite sure just how that's going to happen. On Friday, our son took part with a group of musicians from the school where he is music director in the funeral of a friend of theirs. He's a young man and he was due to be married next Saturday. But instead of guests anticipating his wedding, they gathered for his funeral. You can imagine the sadness for his devastated fiancée planning a wedding and then having to plan his funeral. Devastating for all of the family and all of the people connected with this family. It's heartbreaking. And then we juxtapose that with this story of great joy. Where is the joy? It is but one story of many that challenge and confront us with the question, what does the good news of great joy mean in difficult circumstances? If we try to find cheer and happiness in all the struggles of life, we won't find it. But joy is different. Joy does not depend on the circumstances of life. The joy is this, 
to you a saviour who is Christ the Lord has come. We are not left alone in life. Comfort and courage are given to us in Emmanuel, God with us always. In John's Gospel, John writes, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has never been able to overcome it. Last night we drove uh, around the streets in uh, Williamstown and nearby with our little uh, three-year-old grandson having a look at the Christmas lights. And they're quite beautiful, really. It's lovely to see houses uh, that are lit up. Why do we do it? Why do people do it? Well, it's part of the decorations, but it's also this deep, it comes from this deep place in the Christmas story that the light has come into the darkness. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into the darkness of the world's brokenness and into the darkness of our own sin with this news. I love you. I will be with you always. The angel's message is for us today, for our neighbourhoods, for this local community, indeed the world in all its brokenness. Don't be afraid. Here is the good news for all times, in all places, to all people. The Lord is come. Joy to the world. I encourage each one of you in this time leading up to Christmas to look around you this week, where you are at work or at home with family, out shopping, meeting people. Ask the Lord to help you be the bearer of good news of great joy for each situation in which you find yourself. How can I be a bearer of the good news. Let the joy flow out of you. This is, this is not a, a, a simplified cheer and, oh, well, everything will turn out all right because sometimes it doesn't turn out all right. But to be with people, to recognise their pain and to give some encouragement. We can all do that. We're going to watch a short video and then have a few moments to write your response on the cards to this good news of great joy. So we'll watch the video, we'll have a couple of minutes to write your response and then that will be collected when the offering is taken up during the last song. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you about the good news of great joy. Thanks Steve for the video.